0: our hands unto the Lord all over the house I'm so glad to be in church but not just any church I'm glad to be in an apostolic church and because we're in an apostolic church guess what? We're apostolic and We believe in the gifts of the Spirit We believe in the infilling of the Holy Ghost The evidence of speaking in other tongues As the Spirit gives the utterance We believe in the five-fold ministry We believe in miracles, signs, and wonders We believe in being Spirit-led We believe in all that Pastor Wright, what, what direction is your house from here? What, what direction is your house Let's all stretch our hands in that direction and let's pray for Sister Wright. By the authority of the word of the Lord, the power of the name of Jesus, we speak to every pain, every dysfunction, every ailment, every infirmity. We bind it right now in the name of Jesus Christ. We're not asking the pain to go, we speak directly to the pain. And we command it to go right now in the name of Jesus Christ. We believe you for it right now, God. We thank you for it. We will not believe the report of the doctor. We will believe the report of the Lord. And we say right now she's healed in Jesus' name. Oh, if you believe that, would you put your hands together? Come on, I feel the gift of faith operating in this house even now. ta la ba ta la ba ta its the gift of faith that activates the working of miracles. It's the gift of faith that activates the gift of healing. So when the gift of faith sweeps into the room You know miracles and healing is present We say what is the gift of faith? Well you have your own measure of faith that God's given you and So the gift of faith is whenever your measure of faith isn't enough God gives you his own faith He gives you his faith The working of miracles is The, the, the difference is, is that the working of miracles The difference between healing and the working of miracles is that miracles transcend the laws of nature. It doesn't make any sense for water to come from a rock, but it was a working of miracles. It doesn't make any sense for fire to fall from heaven, but it was a working of miracles. It doesn't make any sense for the leprous to be cleansed or the dead to be raised. But it was a working of miracles. Why? Because the laws of nature could not stop what God wanted to do in that moment. So here's what I want you to do. If you need a miracle, we're just going to take a minute right here. If you need a miracle in your life that the doctors have told you there's nothing they can do, the bank has told you there's nothing they can do, the psychiatrist have told you there's nothing they can do, I want you to just raise your hand right now all over this house. Now look around you and find somebody with their hand raised. And I need some faith-filled apostolics. To reach over and lay hands on those right now and begin to speak things by the authority of the word of the Lord and the power of the name of Jesus. We loose the working of miracles in this house. We command every sickness to be healed. We rebuke the devourer of finances. We release the flow of finances. Come on, don't beg God to do it. Speak directly to the problem. Command healing into that body. Command depression to lead. if you believe God just gave you what you needed, I want you to put your hands together all over the house. Come on, let's thank Him right now. Come on, let's thank Him like you truly believe it's done. The pain is gone. The sickness is gone. The poverty is gone. The depression is gone. The anxiety is gone. Hallelujah, Jesus. Oh, let's lift our hands and let's just love the Lord for a moment. Somebody pray in the Holy Ghost all over this house. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. Satala Bocotoreche de la Mandaba. A la mande beshe la bosa. Malanda la boscha la mandelebeica. Salamando bocotola mondo boscha lava. appreciate your sensitivity to the Holy Ghost and your willingness this morning to flow in the Spirit. Last night, uh, a few of us were gathered uh, gathered together somewhere for dinner and we just began to talk about a few things and the Holy Ghost started moving. And I really feel like some of those same things that were discussed about last night I feel like the Holy Ghost wants me to talk about a few of those things here today. Uh, and so we're just gonna follow the Holy Ghost and see what God wants to do. Is that all right? Amen. Amen. God bless you. You can be seated this morning. <clears throat> the call of God is such a powerful thing in an individual's life. If an individual can ever just yield to it accept it and pursue it, they'll find that it was taking that initial step to do what God has asked them to do that will set the pace for the rest of their life. The problem is is that we expect God to show us everything all at once. my pastors often told me that if God let you see too far down the road, you wouldn't continue to go after it. Because it would scare you. And no person in their right mind would willingly walk into the things that the call of God will sometimes require you to have to walk through. So God just shows you a little at a time. With every step, He begins to unfold things. And then when you walk through the valley, you don't want to turn back because you're already in the valley. By the time you realize you're in darkness, you, you already have made up your mind to continue to walk through the darkness. By the time you find yourself in the pit, Joseph, you've, you've already made up in your mind that God's called you to the palace and you're gonna do whatever it takes to get to the palace. And so by the time you realize you're in the pit, you're already on your way to Potiphar's house. And by the time you realize you're in Potiphar's house, you're already on your way to the prison. And by the time you realize you're in the prison, God's already pulling you out of that bondage and elevating you to the place That he told you he was going to elevate you to. But I really feel strongly in the Holy Ghost that the call of God is on so many people in this room. But I really feel strongly in the Holy Ghost that you are wrestling with the call of God that is on your life. But I believe in the spirit. It's like Jonah when the Bible said that the Lord called unto Jonah a second time. And said, arise, go unto Nineveh. I feel the Holy Ghost calling somebody a second time in this house. And he's saying, arise and go plant that church. Arise and start that Bible study in your home. Arise and go start that P7 club. Arise and go and start that campus ministry. Arise and go to that foreign country. Arise and go to Nineveh. Because you ran from it the first time God called you. But now God is in his mercy. is calling unto you a second time. And I believe there's a Joseph in this house that the palace seems so far away because you're trying to figure out all the details. You're trying to comprehend each and every step before it's even time for you to take it. But there is a Joseph in this house. There's going to come a day that God is going to have you elevated to the place He has called you to be elevated to. And you're going to turn around and you're going to realize God was ordering my steps every step of the way. Somebody needs to be reminded in this house. He knows the thoughts that he thinks towards you, saith the Lord. They are thoughts of peace and not of evil. God is not going to call you without qualifying you. God is not going to call you to do a work in his kingdom and then leave you to figure it all out on your own. But if you will accept the call of God in this house, Jonah, he is going to lead you and guide you every step of the way. And I'll deal with that doubt that's in this room here in just a minute. One thing we need to understand about humanity is that we are, we are vastly different than everything else in creation. There is a great difference between everything else in creation and humanity. Because everything else in creation was fashioned by God's word. But humanity was fashioned by God's work. When God wanted to create everything else, he had to talk. But when he created humanity, he had to touch. Everything else was co- was brought into existence Because of what God spoke But you and I were brought into existence Because of what God shaped So we were brought into the world In a proactive posture We were brought into the world By the work of God For the work of God You and I were not created in a reactive posture Where we are bound by mechanics Like everything else in creation Everything else in creation Creation; It has no other option but to go through the motions every single day. It is bound by mechanics. But humanity is the only thing in creation that was created in a proactive posture where we are not reacting to what's going on around us, but we are being proactive about the work that God has called us to do. And sometimes we get caught in the rhythm of reacting to what the enemy is doing and reacting to the struggles of life and reacting to opposition in ministry when God did not create you to be reactive He created you to be proactive it is time for you to take the first step that God has called you to take and do the work that God has called you to do But the problem is, is we are not convinced uh, that God can use us. We have a misconception about individuals throughout Scripture. We think that they were all superheroes, uh, or, or that they were they were of a, of a cut from a different cloth, or they were from uh, some special breed, or that they had some otherworldly powers besides that which God provided unto them. But the Bible said that the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much and Elijah was a man subject to like passions as we are. That word like passions there, it means he was of the same nature as us. And when you study the life of Elijah, you will find out that he was a human just like everybody else. He experienced the same ebb and flow of human emotions that we all have to deal with. In one chapter, he's calling fire from heaven. And in the next chapter, he's running from Jezebel. In one chapter, he's believing God for the miraculous and in the next chapter he's asking God to just go ahead and kill him. In one chapter he's being fed by a raven and in another chapter he's overcome with self-doubt and depression and self-pity. But what was powerful about Elijah is that he was regular but he was righteous. Well you say, how do I become righteous? The Bible said that Abraham staggered not at the promises of God and that That he was faithful. And his faithfulness was counted to him as righteousness. Can I tell you here today when God goes looking for somebody to use in the kingdom. He starts with somebody that will just show up. You don't have to have the right last name. You don't have to come from a certain pedigree. You don't have to have a lot of money in the bank. You don't need degrees on the wall. You don't have to be fifth or sixth or seventh generation apostolic. But when God sees a need, he will call somebody that will just show up. The fact that you are here today means you are a candidate for God to use you in a dimension of the spirit. You have never operated in. Him before God can use you to do anything but he wants to start with somebody that'll just show up. It's hard to use somebody that's not even present. But if you can just muster up enough energy and enough strength to show up to the house of God every Sunday and every Thursday and for prayer meeting, what you're doing is you're saying, God, whenever you call me to pastor a church, I'm going to be faithful in pastoring that church. When you call me to start a Bible study, I'm going to be faithful in that Bible study. When you call me to start a campus ministry, oh, it's not... I understand you want me to shout you down here today. But this kind of preaching right here is going to change the trajectory of your life and your ministry. God is just looking for somebody that will show up and do the best they can in the kingdom of God. And so the call of God is so strong on individuals in this room. But I feel so strongly in the Holy Ghost you are wrestling with the call of God on your life. You're wrestling with the fact, is this God calling me or is this my flesh calling me? You've got to understand that when Samuel was called of God, he got it wrong three times before he got it right the fourth time. The Bible said three different times that Samuel called, that God called unto Samuel. Three different times he called Samuel, but Samuel did not know that it was the voice of God. But watch this, the fourth time that God called Samuel, The Bible says, and the Lord came and stood and called unto Samuel as at other times and said, Samuel, Samuel it is amazing to me that the fourth time to finally get the point across to Samuel he did not just call him he did not just speak to him but the Lord came and stood. That word stood there means God came and committed God came and committed himself to the call of Samuel uh, even before Samuel committed himself uh, to the call of Samuel uh, I've come to preach to somebody in here today uh, when God calls you he'll speak to you uh, but when God commits to you he'll stand in front of you and God is not just here to call you God is here to stand in front of you and let you know I'm committed to the ministry that I'm calling you to come on somebody God wants to use you uh, more than you desire to be Used. And God's not just calling you He's standing here today letting you know I'll commit to the work of God I'll commit to the ministry That I'm calling you to But we don't want to endure the process to become All that God has called us to become We want to bypass all of the process that God wants to put us through in order for us to become everything that God has called us to come. There are people in this house, you've been in a wilderness and you were trying to bypass the wilderness that God has got you in. But two of the most Two of the most powerful ministries in Scripture, they were birthed in a wilderness. The Bible said that John was that voice crying in the wilderness. And he was in the wilderness until the day of his showing. And the Bible said that the Spirit drove Jesus into the wilderness 40 days and 40 nights. And when he came out of that wilderness, he might have been led there by the Spirit. But he came out of that wilderness walking in the power of the Spirit spirit you say what is the purpose of the wilderness the purpose of the wilderness is to prepare the man for the mission and the man can only be as great as he can be if he submits to the process of the wilderness and if you bypass the wilderness the mission will not be as great because the man will not be as great I've come to preach faith into somebody's spirit in this house and say stop trying to buy past the wilderness. It's a learning season. It's an academy for your anointing. It is a place of education for the ministry that God is calling you to. And when God brings you out of that process, when God brings you out of that wilderness, you'll have more power. You'll have Let's lift our hands in this house right now. I don't know what this opposition is I'm coming up against, but we're going to plow here until somebody gets a hold of what I'm saying. You've been trying to force yourself out of the wilderness. You better hear me in the Holy Ghost. Your mission will not be as great if you come out of this wilderness prematurely. But if you'll just die in this process, when you come out of it, you will be greater than you ever thought you could be. I'm telling you, you're not going to have all the details on your way to the destination you don't know the details until you start looking back in hindsight in retrospect. And then when you look back after God's brought you to where he's going to bring you, you're going to understand that's why I went through that valley. And that's why I went through that wilderness. And that's why God wouldn't let me move there. And that's why God wanted me out of that relationship. And that's why God pulled that friend out of my life. And that's why God let me go through that sickness. It is a wilderness meant to cultivate the character That is going to sustain you uh, where the anointing carries you. My God, uh, you got to hear me in this house. Uh, This wilderness is an academy for your anointing. Don't bypass the process. Uh, Stay in the process. You're not going to have all the details when you take that very first step. When you accept the call of God, it is an act of faith. You gotta eventually just say, okay, God, I'm ready to do this thing. I don't have to know the end from the beginning. I don't have to have all the details worked out. I'm trusting you to lead me and to guide me. It is amazing to me that the process, uh, that, that, that the pattern of the tabernacle was given to Moses, uh, not in the promised land. It was given to them in the wilderness. And God said, as long as this cloud is still, you stay where you are. But when the cloud moves, then it's time for you to move. It is amazing to me it was the wilderness that taught them how to follow the holy ghost you want to learn how to follow the holy ghost you got to make sure you stay in that wilderness why because you were led by the spirit into the wilderness and it's the spirit that's going to lead you out of the wilderness you're going to be more powerful after this wilderness than what you were when you went into this wilderness you hear me in the holy ghost you hear me in the Holy Ghost, you're going to be more powerful after this wilderness than you were before the wilderness. You want to know why? Because when Jesus went into the wilderness, he had never performed a miracle. He had never opened a blinded eye. He had never raised anybody from the dead. He had never unstopped the deaf here. But when he went to the wilderness and died and got his flesh under control, he came out of that wilderness walking in the power of the Spirit and then. When the dead was raised. Uh, then the blinded eyes were opened. Uh, then 5,000 uh, were fed with five loaves and two fish. Uh, you got to hear me in this house. Uh, there is a process uh, in the pain of the wilderness. I feel so much doubt in this room right now. I feel so much doubt in this room. It's because you believe God can use everybody else except you. I feel it. You believe God can use everybody else in this room except you. But Zacharias, the father of John the Baptist, the Bible said that it it fell his lot to offer incense in the temple. When you study that, you'll find out that there were so many priests in that day that it fell a man's lot to offer incense in the temple only once in his lifetime. And this was Zacharias' day to go to that altar of incense in the temple and intercede on behalf of the people of Israel. And tradition teaches that when that priest went to that altar of incense... They would pray that God would send the prophet that would usher in the Messiah they would pray that God would send that man with that ministry that would pave the way for the Messiah to come and to save the world from their sins. And so here Zacharias is and he's praying because he's heard generation after generation after generation that God was going to send a ministry into the world that would usher in the greatest visitation that the world has ever seen. And he's interceding and the Bible says that there was an angel that showed up at the right side of the altar and that angel began to speak to him and say Zacharias that ministry is not going to come through the home of somebody else but that ministry is going to come through your life that ministry is going to come through you and your family that ministry is going to be birthed in your house and he said that baby is going to be named John and what did Zacharias do he responds to the angel and he starts to list All of the reasons God can use everybody else uh, except him to birth that ministry. Uh, That was Zacharias' problem. Uh, He believed God could do it through everybody else uh, except himself. Uh, Can I preach to you here today? There is no dimension of the spirit that is available for somebody else, uh, but it's not available for you. Uh, If God can use me to prophesy, he can use you to prophesy. If God can use somebody else to lay hands on the sick and watch them recover, God can use you to lay hands on the sick and watch them recover. If God can use Bishop Wright to plant all of those churches, God can use somebody in this house to to be an apostle to a city and plant other churches. Well I guess what God's doing in this service he's weeding out the ones that want it and the ones that don't want it. When that angel showed up to Zacharias it wrecked him. It wrecked him. It marked him. And the Bible said he tarried so long in the temple that when he finally came out, they marveled at how long he tarried. You want a ministry to be birthed through your house, you've got to learn how to linger in the presence of God. It fell his lot once in his lifetime to offer incense at the temple. This was his moment to linger in the presence of God and leave with a ministry being birthed in his house that would usher in the greatest visitation the world has ever seen. How many altar calls do we rush through because we don't think God wants to give us that kind of ministry? And finally, it's time for Elizabeth to birth that baby. And their family said, what's the name of the baby going to be? And they said, John. And her family spoke up and said, there's never been anybody else in your family named John. So you can't name this one John. But Zacharias understood. You weren't there when I tarried. So you don't get to name what I carry. You weren't there when I lingered at that altar and God put that anointing on my life. So you don't get to label what's birthed in my home. You weren't there when I wrestled with an angel until the breaking of day. So you don't get to label the identity uh, that God places on my life. And there are people in this room, God, that that God has called and he's marked and he's placed an anointing on. But you've got family that have said there's never been a prophet in this family. There's never been an apostle in this family. Uh, There's never been a preacher in your family. Uh, You've got friends that are saying you're the first one uh, that has accepted the call of god you're the first one that wants to live for god you're the first one that doesn't want to drink and party and go out and live like the world you can't be the first one i'm here to let you know as long as you tarry god will let you know what it is you carry you can be used of god there ought to be somebody rising in this house uh, that says I might be the only one in my family. But if God's marked me, uh, if God has called me, uh, if God has anointed me, I'm going to do what God has called me to do. Listen, I'm, I'm, I'm not trying to be rude. I, I please understand my spirit. I'm not trying to be rude. But there are so many people in this room that are disconnected right now. There are people in this room, God's trying to mark you and God's trying to birth something in you. And you're here physically, but, but spiritually, you're a thousand miles away. So before we move anywhere any further, we're going to break through that right now. We need to get engaged in what the Holy Ghost wants to do. I'm not trying to be rude, but the time is too short. We don't have time to play around. There's got to come a point where God no longer has to convince you that He's calling you. Where God no longer has to convince you that He's anointed you. That He wants to use you. You're eventually just going to have to take that first step. I want every hand in this room, up in the air, lifted under the heavens right now. Every voice raised. Come on, we got to plug in. Let's wake up this morning. God's wanting to take us somewhere. Be seated for just a moment. We're we're, we're, we're getting there. Be seated, but keep your spirit open. There is a process that God brings every individual to to cultivate them and make them into what He wants them to be. Again, the wilderness is simply to prepare the man for the mission. If you bypass the wilderness, the mission is not as great because the man is not as great. In John chapter 9, there's a blind man and Jesus spits in the mud. Reaches down and puts the mud on the man's eyes. And what does he say to him? He says, go and wash in the pool of Siloam, which is by interpretation sent. The man didn't try to figure out all the details before he took that initial step. He didn't have any clarity about the calling. He didn't ask to see before he was sent. But he understood if I'll just go. When I get to the destination, God will give me the details. When you were sent, that's when God will let you see. And there are people in this house, you're hesitant to take that first step. There's a few applications to this. You're hesitant to take that first step because you want all the dirt out of your life first. But you're washed on the walk. Sanctification is a process and so is the ministry. You're waiting to get all the details in order. You're waiting to become perfect and have a perfect track record and a perfect resume and go with X amount of days without a failure in your life before you feel good enough to do what God has called you to do. But the problem with that is, is if you perform well enough and then God use you, you're going to want to take the credit for it. I feel my help in this house now. You're wanting all the details before you even take that initial step But I'm telling you in the Holy Ghost As you take that initial step in the call of God God's going to begin to unfold things in your life We have a misconception about God We think that God operates on a clock and a calendar like we do But God is eternal. He transcends time and space. He operates in the realm of eternity. You can look at the order of creation in Genesis chapter one and find out that God operates in the time, in in the infrastructure of eternity. God, God is not bound to a clock and a calendar like we are. He's not worried and fretting about all of the details like we are. He operates in the realm of eternity. Look at the order of creation. He did not create the birds and then the trees. He created the trees and then the birds. He did not create the fish and then the sea. He created the sea and then he created the fish. In other words, he created provision before there was anything that needed the provision. He said, there's no birds yet, but there's going to be. So let me plant a tree here. There's no fish yet, but there's going to be. So let me put an ocean here. Man has not sinned yet, but they're going to. So let me step outside of time and become the lamb that was slain from the foundation of the world. And before man ever sinned, there was already a sacrifice set in motion. So you say, what if I go to start a church and I can't find a building? Maybe God's just waiting on you to go to that city and he'll lead you to the right person uh, and say, so you can use my building. My God. I'm telling you, God's already, I'm in the Holy Ghost right now. He's already got the resources. Uh, he's already got the people you're supposed to connect to. Brother McGurk, he already knows the ones uh, you're supposed to connect to. God is not limited in his resources. Uh, he just wants to know, will you trust me to wash you along the walk? He's already got the businessman that's going to fund it. He already knows the cafe table you're going to be sitting at whenever you sit next to a doctor that's going to finance all that stuff. Oh my God. Do we believe in being led of the Holy Ghost or not? Uh, Why do we believe God can lead us in the Holy Ghost in a church service? Uh, But we don't believe he can send us to the right restaurant. We don't believe he can order our steps uh, and let us come in contact with the right businessman. We don't believe he can put us uh, at the right table uh, in the coffee shop. The devil is a lie. God knows the end from the beginning. And there was provision before you ever needed the provision. I've already told you, I'm going to come back to this regional thing as long as it takes for you to get it. And I can already feel the doubt in some of you. You're trying to figure out, how are we going to take a region? I'm going to tell you how, brother, right? God's going to give you the blueprints. He's going to give you the strategies to carry out in the earth. And it's going to go against tradition. It's going to go against the box that everybody tries to put us in. It's going to go against all of that. But God's going to give you the blueprints and the strategies. And He already knows the people you're supposed to be connected to. He already knows the ones that are supposed to be sent as pastors over those churches. He already knows the musicians. He already knows the singers. God's just waiting on this church to finally take that first step and say, okay, God's placed a city on our heart that doesn't have a church. We're going to send somebody there. And God's going to begin to send people. I'm in the Holy Ghost right now. He's going to begin to send people to that church. uh, And it's going to perpetuate a flow of finances. uh, And you're not going to have to worry about paying the bills or keeping the lights on uh, or paying the rent. God's already got the resources. Hatarama hataraba hatabarando lobo shata, Shalabo shandalaba catarabosha. Stop thinking you're not good enough to be used by God. When Samuel showed up to the house of Jesse, he said, I want you to take all of your sons and bring a sacrifice. We're going to go down to the temple to worship. But before you can offer the sacrifice, all of your sons have got to go through the cleansing process. they got to get all the dirt off of their life. And one son after another passed before Samuel and the Holy Ghost spoke to him and said, none of these are him. And Samuel said, is there anybody left? And they said, there's one boy by the name of David. And he's keeping the flock on the backside of nowhere. And they call for David and in comes that little ruddy shepherd boy. With the fragrance of the field and the stench of sheep on his life. All of his brothers went through the cleansing process and got the dirt off of their life. But David never went through the cleansing process. But with the dirt on his life, the horn of Samuel was opened up. And that anointing began to flow from the top of his head down to the soles of his feet. You know what God was saying in that? He was saying, if you want it bad enough, I'll take your dirt and I'll mix it with your destiny. No, you didn't hear me. I said, if you want it bad enough, God will take your dirt and He'll mix it with your destiny. You don't have to become perfect just to be used of God. But if you're desperate to be used of God, He will anoint you in this room here today. There's somebody being liberated from a delayed calling in this house right now. La bohu All right, here we go. When David received that first anointing, what you have to understand is David's first anointing was not David's final anointing. He was anointed in front of his family. And when he started taking that first step to go after God. There came a day he received the second anointing. And he was anointed in front of his tribe. And then he kept on walking with God. And finally he received that third anointing. And it was an anointing in front of the entire nation of Israel. If you will take that initial step and accept the call of God. Your first anointing will not be your final anointing. It's a process. There's levels and there's dimensions to this thing. I was in prayer a few years ago and I was asking God, God take me to the next dimension. Take me to the next dimension. I want to go to the next level. And the Holy Ghost spoke to me and said, I can't take you to the next dimension until you finish growing in this one. What do you do with this anointing before I trust you with this anointing? And then what do you do with this anointing before I trust you with this anointing? And I'll tell you one of the main ways to never get to that third anointing or even that second anointing. And that is to get lifted up in your gifting and think you've got it all. Oh, I I feel that bump in me so strong in the Holy Ghost. There are gifted people in this room, but you've gotten a little elevated in your gifting. amazing to me the very first time that Samuel prophesied he prophesied to his own pastor but when he got done he went back and was submitted to that same man he just prophesied to because elevation in the spirit does not equate to elevation from submission hold on hold on you know it's amazing to me that whenever Saul was anointed he knew why he was being anointed The prophet told him, I'm anointing you as the king of Israel. But he got lifted up in his gifting. He got elevated and got to the place uh, that he didn't think he needed a Samuel in his life anymore. But when David was anointed, David never knew why he was being anointed. He didn't even know he was anointed to be the next king of Israel. But he knew he was anointed. And so the question is, what do you do when you have an anointing you don't know the purpose of? You go back and you keep doing what you were doing when you got anointed. Because that's the problem. Is when Saul got anointed, he did not remain little in his own sight. And he got lifted up in his gifting. But whenever David got anointed, he went back to the field to keep the father's sheep. What you did to manifest the anointing is what you've got to keep doing to maintain the anointing. Let's lift our hands all over the house. Let's be sensitive to the Holy Ghost for a moment. Mm-mm. <clears throat> I really feel in the Holy Ghost God's trying to recalibrate somebody in this room. Because you're anointed and you know you're anointed. But you've gotten a little lifted up. And that same hunger that was there when God first anointed you is not there now. Don't lose it. Telling you in the Holy Ghost don't lose it. Don't lose it. And God called unto Jonah a second time. Saying arise. And go to Nineveh. There are apostles and prophets in this room. There are evangelists and pastors and teachers in this room. Some of you have been sent here for no other reason than to be sent from here. But God's still trying to convince you that He's calling you. He's calling unto you that second time. I'm sorry, I cannot get away from this. I'm I'm telling you, I I, I keep going back to this. You are gifted, but you are so arrogant. Arrogant. I'm not talking about collectively. I'm talking about the Holy Ghost is dealing with somebody in this room right now. You are so gifted. I don't know who you are. I'm not even going to look. But I'm telling you what I feel in the Holy Ghost. You are so gifted. But there is a pride that has become developed in you. Matter of fact, here's what we're going to do. I want everybody in this room to lift your hands and let's close our eyes and let's repent collectively right now. I'm, I'm telling you what I feel in the Holy Ghost. I cannot get away from this. We can become so gifted, but yet get so arrogant in our gifting. Come on, let's lift our voices right now. We cannot move on until we get past this. Let's lift our hands and lift our voices. Come on, lift our voices. Come on. Ask God to search you. We need to humble ourselves in this room right now. God's going to send people from here. God's going to send people from this location. But we got to walk in humility and trust him. La rebehesha la mando When I was fifteen years old, God called me to preach, had just prayed through three months later, preached for the first time. I still remember the first time the anointing hit me, and it changed me. it marked me. But it required a step of faith. Because I was met with a decision. I can either go to college or I can pursue a degree. Or I can do what God's calling me to do. At 15 years old, I started serving my pastor. I don't know why I'm telling you all this, but I feel to tell you. I started serving my pastor at 15 years old. I'd come in after school and I'd work into the night and during the summer I'd work full, full weeks during the summer. And I did that sophomore, junior, senior year. Six months before I graduated, my pastor came to me and he said, If you want to go to Bible college, I'll send you. I'll pay you away. He said, Or oh, you can keep doing what you're doing. and You can catch my spirit. And it didn't take long I knew what the Holy Ghost wanted me to do. And so for the next four years I stayed there and I, I served that man with everything I had. No revivals, no place to preach, nobody knew who I was. Family not living for God. Lonely, wilderness. Over the course of that seven years I counted it up, I scrubbed over 7,000 Toilets. 7,000. And God would reveal the next step. Little by little by little. And I can take you where I was standing. In that dark sanctuary I'd just turned 23 years old. And I felt transition coming. But I said God if you want me to stay here for the rest of my life. And serve this man. I'll do it to the best of my ability. And I'll keep a right spirit. And It wasn't long after that, one door started opening. And one door started opening. And another door, and another door, and another door. But God did not let me see all of that at 15 years old when I accepted the calling on my life. He just wanted to know, do you trust me enough to take this first step? So here's what I want us to do let's, let's stand all over the house I know this has probably been unorthodox to some of you I know it's probably been different But it's all part of what God wants to do here at Antioch There are people in this room Too many people in this room That God is still trying to convince That He's calling you And that He wants to partner with you And that He wants to use you But you don't see until you're sent. You don't know the details until you get to the destination. I'm helping a young man in this room right now. You're wrestling with the call of God. But you're so concerned about figuring it all out and having all the details. But I'm telling you right now it doesn't work that way. If you'll just take that first step. So here's what I want you to do. If you're ready to finally accept that call of God. I want you to make your way out of your seat, and I want you to come down to this altar. Make your way out of your seat. If you want it, if you're hungry for it, if you're hungry for God to use you, if you're ready to finally give it all to God. Hey, this is not just for the young people. This is not just for the young people. There are elders in this church. God's wanting to use you in new ways, and you feel that calling on your life. To do something and participate in something you've never done before, but you don't understand it. You don't have all the details. You're analytical. You try to figure everything out. You try to know all the details. You want it to make sense. That's not how it works. Come on, what might just seem like scrubbing toilets right now is just one step in the process of leading you to where God wants you to go. Come on, you get washed on the walk. Come on, David. God mixes your dirt with your destiny. Your failure's already been factored into your future. Is there a Zacharias that'll linger at this altar? And say, God, I believe you can birth that ministry through my life. It's available for you. Lift your voice all over the house and go after it. Come on, God is burdening some of you with a calling on your life. You thought you were just a pew filler. You thought you were just a number, just a statistic, just a warm body. But God's standing here today committing unto you. God is committed to your calling.